Point start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, an audio show for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Uh, and welcome to this episode. Uh, Father is still on location. Dis- uh, uh, this is not a undisclosed, this is a disclosed location you are there at, Father. Disclosed location. There is no uh, need for subpoenas to find out where I'm at. <laughs> Father is, uh, continues to help out at a 30-day retreat at Broomtree Retreat Center um, outside of Irene, South Dakota. Watch out for the speed trap. Yes, go the speed limit decisively. You should go the speed limit everywhere, lest you commit the sin of rebellion. Um, we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> I'm with the Roman. Inter- anyway, uh, so Father, um, good to have you back. We, we uh, weren't you. You weren't with us, unfortunately, last week. Uh, so it's good to have you again. Well, it's very good to be back. I was very sad uh, missing last week uh, uh, with the uh, Ignition podcast, but uh, very happy to be here. Here we are. So, um, listener, if you, uh, as always, if you're a regular listener, you've, you've heard this before. Uh, we love listener feedback. If you've got questions, comments, ideas for future episodes, um, and soon here we will return to the, well, it's not a practice because we've only done it once before, but we're going to have a little um, uh, prize giveaway again, but that's just a teaser for a future episode. I suppose I'm not eligible. You are sadly not eligible. The, the three people who are involved with the production of Ignition are <laughs> ineligible. Uh, Tim, our producer, is shaking his head right now in disgust and disappointment. Sorry, Tim. So, so anyway, that'll, that'll be coming up in a future, future episode. But, but in the meantime, questions, comments, ideas for future podcasts, for future episodes, email me, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at S as in Sue, F as in Falls, catholic.org. So, Father, we, two weeks ago, um, when, when you were last with us, we, we talked about um, retreats. You, you're, you're helping direct a retreat. We talked about retreats, how the similarity to vacation is where we're... Um, Almost, we're, we're unofficially into summer, um, and and also the distinctions between a spiritual retreat and vacation, and sort of you you have a you, you proposed a topic for today that flows uh, quite nicely from from uh, that episode a couple weeks ago, uh, and and uh, I, I think it's a great idea to talk about beauty. Um, you know, we're entering again into summer, and a lot of people are able to get out more so than uh, other times of the year, at least in our part of the country, and enjoy nature. Um, the blossoming trees and flowers, which those of us with seasonal allergies don't always love, but uh, lakes and and so on, uh, seeing the beauty of nature. And, and for, 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 for Christians, Catholics in particular, of course, th- that can be... Um, uh, a time for us to reflect not just on the beauty of creation, but on the beauty of the creator who created creation. Uh, of course, God himself. And we theologians often speak of, and we pray uh, in our tradition, about the glory of God. And the, the glory of God is beauty par excellence. Uh, everything else that we marvel and are in awe at uh, in the world is, is a reflection of the infinitely greater beauty of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I, I love this idea for our topic, uh, Father. Just wanted to know if you want to give any background or starting point to this. Uh, yeah, well, I think uh, just um, well, I don't know. If, uh, yeah, just as a background, I think uh, you know we talk about things that we need. We need retreat. We need to be able to pull back. 
And for maybe some of our listeners, they might think, well, you know, that's nice, but I don't know if I have time for retreat between kids, between uh, busy schedules, things like that. And uh, while here on retreat, and being, uh, working the retreat, I'm not on retreat myself, but um, one of the great things about retreat is just the, the ability to uh, appreciate and to love beauty and to just soak in beauty and to be soaked in beauty. Um, and uh, uh, so it's just it's a great thing to do and, and for us to think about and, and maybe even awaken ourselves to the need of beauty, uh, that you have a need for beauty in your life. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that, the, the, the need for beauty? Yeah. Initial thought, what do you mean by that? Well, I think, so first off, uh, again, just thinking about, you know, maybe our, our average uh, listener out there who doesn't have time with work, family obligations, and you have a lot of concerns, you have a lot of burdens in life, and just between your family, you know, and uh, difficulty with, uh, within your marriage, with your children, um, difficulty with your family, your friends, difficulty with your job, and then, you know, as a concerned Christian, you're obviously someone who cares about the world. I mean, you know, you're listening to uh, a, a, a show, an audio show like this. Um, you're looking for maybe something more in life. Um, and so you're also maybe burdened down by the weight of the world, too, you know. And um, I, things like, you know, you, uh, we have scandals all over the place. There's always scandals in the news. I don't have to mention the scandal today because whatever day you listen to this, whatever archives might find us on in the distant future, um, you'll have a scandal of your day that's probably weighing you down. Um, and so in answer to all that, we need, as human beings, we need, uh, there's three things that we need. Um, and we think about the first two a little more frequently, but we, we don't think about the third as much. Um, these three things that we need are the transcendentals. Do you know, Dr. Birdwald, the three transcendentals? I, I know the four transcendentals, Father. Um, ha, 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 ha. Throwing off here. Truth. Yeah. Goodness. Yep. Unity. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I, the biblical I, guy, guys, tries to go systematic on me. See, get slapped down. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna argue with me in the middle of the, in the, middle of the broadcast. <laughs> hey, you always argue with me when I attempt to speak on things biblical. So this is, this is fair play here, buddy. All right, so we have the four transcendentals. What they are, Dr. Burke? Truth, goodness, unity, and the one we're talking about today, beauty. Excellent. And we probably feel our need for the other three a little more uh, easily. You know, we, we, feel that we feel the desire to be united to others. We feel that desire to know the truth about something. Uh, those of you that may be a little older might remember that uh, movie with Tom Cruise and uh, um, Jack Nicholson, uh, you good man. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Ah, uh, thank you. Uh, and then goodness. You know, we, we, we know we want to see good. The good, right. The sense of moral goodness and things like that. But beauty is something we don't often think about. And beauty is something that's really been kind of attacked even in our popular sense of beauty, which would be a different topic for a podcast. Uh, but uh, but we, we have a need for beauty in just the same way. We need to... We need to beauty, we need to encounter it, and in many ways, and maybe even without knowing it, we're seeking out beautiful things mm. uh, in our life, and sometimes we, we don't always seek them well, but uh, but we are seeking them, we do need them. Yeah, I think, and just, and I, as you said, not to, to, to dwell overly long on, you know, the popular culture's impact on our sense of beauty, but just, I, th- I think it is worth pointing out quickly, I think most people, when you, you talk about beauty, they say, oh, it's in the eye of the beholder, 
that relatively popular phrase, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. There's some truth to that, but there really is also an objective element to beauty. The subjective element is insofar as as, as I am capable of recognizing beauty, it's in the eye of the beholder. But still, uh, beauty is something objective that's out there that I need to incline myself, that I need to make myself capable of receiving, just as I have to with truth and goodness and unity. Uh, Doesn't that make sense to you, do you think? It does. And actually, that's where I would consider unity to come into play. But that's another question. All right. right. Um, Yeah, so so there are certain objective realities to beauty. Um, Like right now, uh, thanks be to God, I'm looking outside a beautiful, uh, I'm looking outside a window. The window itself is not beautiful. It's made of glass and metal frame and what have you. But the outside with uh, beautiful white clouds uh, that are fluffy and, you know, like little pops of cotton balls and uh, beautiful blue sky up above it and bright green grass and trees. Uh, and uh, it's just really beautiful right now. And I'm, I'm very happy. I could just sit and look out this window probably uh, for the rest of this podcast and not say a word. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> yeah, it's reminding me of... Um my seventh grade science teacher, who who honestly I think was agnostic or atheist, but he he often said, "Stop and smell the roses." And he often, you know, just just you know, to seventh graders, right? I mean, but still, the point that we need to, as you were saying earlier, pause. Um, you know, maybe briefly, but his hit pause on the busyness of our life, uh, and allow ourselves to soak in. Uh, the world around us, the world, frankly, within us, in a sense as well, interior and exterior beauty, um, truth, goodness, and unity as well. Well, that it, uh, when, when we ex- when we encounter that exterior beauty, it awakens us to interior beauty, to interior unity, interior goodness, interior truth, and our need for those things. Um, you know, I, I brought up the example of this window, this office where I'm sitting. Uh, I, I came to the realization about my Newman Center this year is that I hate my office there. And I, I really hate spending time in my office. And I, the thing I realize is because my office has no windows. Mm. I mean, why? I should say, pardon me. Uh, it has one very thin window, you know, like 15 inches wide and maybe, you know, three and a half feet tall or something like that. You know, institutional windows from the 1960s. Right. But it's just, I just realized I need that light. I need the outside. I need that invitation to larger life. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think I've spoken probably more than once before on Ignition about how oftentimes um, when, during the summer, go home to the, my hometown in central Minnesota and on a, a clear night going out and just gazing up at the stars, the Milky Way is very clear, um, and just the awe, just struck with awe, um, talk about shock and awe, I mean struck with awe at the beauty of God's creation. Yeah, uh, and just to, to be invited into that. Um, and, and again, that's it, part of the whole meaning of the transcendentals, is that you're invited into something large in yourself, something that takes you beyond yourself, um, and to realize that you're part of something, part of something larger. Um, and it does, in a certain sense, it, it, it helps to take some of the weight off you. It also opens you up, uh, in that sense, to there being something larger than you out there. Yeah, and you know, the the the, the related to that. So, so, sometimes I can be struck by my physically, at least, tininess and insignificance in comparison to the the breadth, 
the scope of the universe in terms of its size. And yet, was it Psalm 8, Father? Um, what is man that you are mindful of him? And th- th- that, that, that sense of my physical insignificance leads to wonder and awe at God's love for me individually and for us as, as men and women um, who are so physically insignificant. And yet we would say as, as Christians, as Catholics, that each one of us has more intrinsic value than the entirety of the universe by it t- together. Right. Right. Uh, um, which is, uh, uh, again, something baffling, and, and maybe to go to uh, take a step beyond beauty in that way. Um, of course, and to speak about not just the, the value of uh, the material that we see in that way, but of the fact that uh, a tree doesn't look at another tree and yeah. it's the beauty of another tree. Uh, whereas as a human being, because of our soul and our intellect and our capacity for these things, I can look on a tree and see beauty. I can look upon my fellow man and see beauty, mm-hmm. um, and and be, it's precisely because of that of that that there is that greater value. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Earth first people, uh, but that there is a uh, a greater value to uh, the human person, body and soul, because the capacity to be moved by beauty. Yeah. And that's and that's not certainly um, you know, you said greater. Uh, so there there is beauty in creation. Creation has value. We don't disparage that when we say that human beings have greater value. We're we're not saying it's only about us. Um, there is you know we're, we're stewards of God's creation, and yet we are its pinnacle. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, and, and and I think and, and that's where we have part of that need for is to take us to that and to that reality of being at creation's pinnacle. Because if we, if we just go through the world and just use things, if we go through the world and just encounter things, um, just as objects or problems or difficulties or whatever we might have, then we're never really tapping into that full potential of us as a human person, to be a human person who comprehends truth, to be a human person who comprehends beauty, um, who soaks it in. That's part of that awakening. Okay, Father, so... Somebody's listening to this on the radio or on their computer or iPod or whatever, and they're thinking, okay, whatever, we got two guys here, a priest and a theologian who have too much time on their hands and their ivory towers. I don't have time for beauty or I have very little time for beauty. Why should I make time for beauty? What does it really matter? This is all very interesting, these guys waxing philosophically and poetically and theologically, but really when it comes down to it, what does it matter? Right, that's a great question, because I think you can uh, you can look at that. You can say, "Well, you know, Father and Doctor Burgle, they're just up in their ivory little tower, and they're not those like to be the rest of us." And you know, you're probably doing some devotions already, and I think just uh, maybe to even open your devotions up to considerations of beauty. So, uh, like most people probably uh, do, maybe you know, some part in the week do some part of the rosary and. Like the rosary devotion is even geared in a sense towards beauty, towards contemplation. Because at the heart of the rosary isn't the vain repetition of prayers, but rather the contemplation of the life of Christ. Uh, and so to, to think on, to, and to ask our Lord, you know, strike me with the beauty of your life, the beauty of your incarnation, your birth, uh, of your ministry, of your suffering and death, of your resurrection and your uh, coming into glory. And so, um, uh, to try and to try and get into that and to and to live in that, uh, so the church knows you need to make time for beauty. And God willing, you have a church that's beautiful. 
as well, and even just spending time in your church five minutes a day, uh, ten minutes a day, more than you are now, might make a beautiful, uh, might make a large difference in your life in the way that that beauty opens your heart to communication, to comfort, to, to discussion with God. Mm. Um, and then two, um, you know, just making that small little effort to maybe, uh, uh, I think, Dr. Bergwald, you had said this, you were doing a little bit of a digital mm-hmm. fast so that you can maybe expose yourself to a little more beauty, whether it's in the beauty in the outdoors or the beauty of your children or something else. Yeah, that's, you know, um, it's, you, you talked earlier about the, the business life of life and so on, and I, and I have found that you know, to serve what people call the, the uh, link culture of the internet, where you you're reading something and and within what it, the 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 blog post or the article you're reading, there's a link to to you know something more about this particular nugget or aspect of of the article in question. Oh, that, let me go read that, and oh and, oh let me go read that, and you follow these links and, and what it's done. And and neuroscientists have 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 proven this, um, that there, it's called neuroplasticity. Um, our brains have the capability to some degree, there's not absolute plasticity, but there's some degree of plasticity in our brains where our brains can rewire themselves, so to speak, based on the way that we use them. So if we are used to doing a lot of quick skimming sort of, you know, on the internet surfing, um, then that changes how our brain receives information. And it makes it harder to do that more sustained sort of contemplative reception of information, whether it be, or information is the wrong way to put it too, but whether it be writing or the sort of thing that we're talking about here, um, meditating, contemplating, whether it be a written text or the text of creation, um, the beauty around us, and and I, I, again, I've 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 seen in myself, you know, over the last probably 10, 15 years, the inability for me to do that sort of deep um, reception the way I used to be, and so I'm I'm trying to to change that a little bit. So yeah, this digital diet, as you as you mentioned, yeah, and so to to, to be able to develop that appetite, to develop that that ability. Like I myself, and I think I mentioned this before, have done um, the. Uh, um, I'm trying to read more novels this year, just to expose myself to more. And that's even what kind of sparked this as well. Is as I do that, as I read more novels this year, and expose myself to some more, some more beautiful things in that way. Um, just definitely loving that. Yeah, and I think that you know, there's, uh, and this this feeds. The, this, the question, rhetorical question I posed just a, a couple minutes ago, you know, what does beauty matter? I think for, for, for Catholics, it matters deeply, not just in the sense of my own personal appreciation for beauty, God's own beauty and his glory, not just and the beauty of his world, but also in, in, in terms of, of evangelization, you know, the new evangelization and the year of faith that we're in the midst of. It's very relevant to that. Pope Emeritus Benedict, when he was just Cardinal Ratzinger, um, actually before that, I think, for quite some time, um, going back, I think, maybe to the 70s, he said that when it comes to apologetics, so explanation and defense of the faith, two of the greatest apologetics for the Catholic faith is, first, the beauty of of her patrimony, so the churches that you mentioned, you you, you gave, mentioned beautiful churches, um, the the artistry that she has inspired. All of this can and has historically drawn people into the bosom of the church. People have been drawn to the Catholic faith because of the beauty that it inspires, uh, and then very much relatedly, even more, the beauty of her saints. 
the beauty of the souls of those men and women who who love deeply, who have who seek uh, to 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 know and love God in in a courageous, profound manner, um, and their neighbor as themse- themselves in, in a similar way, and that is attractive. I mean, for some people who maybe are are very far gone, so to speak, in in sin and so on, they're repelled by that. But but all of us at some level are drawn to those who radiate holiness. Holiness is beauty. Um, and, and, and so, so Joseph Ratzinger said that, that in a particular way, beauty has great relevance uh, as a way in our day and age when truth is relative. Uh, the, he famously, you know, the dictatorship of relativism, um, where what goodness is relative. Well, what's good for you isn't necessarily good for me. But still, even though there's still that sense of beauty in the eye of the beholder that I mentioned earlier, still we all recognize when, when we see a beautiful sunset, everyone is struck by that. So that, that power of beauty to draw us in is, is something that we have to recognize as, as, as a means for us to help uh, draw people in to a relationship with Christ in His church. Right. We, we, we need the full... We, we need to use our full, uh, our full uh, ammunition. We need to use our, use our full toolbox. We need to use everything exactly. available to us. And I think because... Um, and this is going to get a little meta... A little going to go up to the ten thousand foot view for a moment, but um, because we're such an intellectual age uh, coming out of the Enlightenment uh, in, in our modern age, as we call it, as we call ourselves, um, you know, we, we reduce so much to arguments and to thoughts, mm. and we, we we've lost track of witness and the power of witness uh, and, and beauty that that witness makes right. and how it uh, and what it does. So yeah, to discover that. Um, discover the encouragement that it makes. Um, you know, coming up uh, uh, in, in the month of June, each year is the Feast of the Apostle uh, St. Barnabas. And I just kind of love Barnabas, um, uh, mainly for his name. Uh, not just because it's fun to say, but uh, because the meaning of his name, that his name is said to mean son of encouragement. Mm. Right, son of encouragement. And, boy, don't we, don't we need encouragement? Right. We need encouragement. We need because we feel like we're drowning. We feel like we're uh, uh, dying in life. So we need things to to push us onward with the duties, responsibilities, uh, and tasks, even the opportunities, even just in opportunities. We need uh, encouragement to take those opportunities. And so beauty, I think, is a great Barnabas mm. in that way to to encourage us onward. And Father, I know that also this is, you know, you mentioned sort of the, the, the inspiration for this as a theme, and this ties into this whole idea of the relevance of beauty um, from one of the, the, the books that you're reading this summer. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I'm reading right now uh, The Brothers Karamazov, um, which, uh, of course, is one of the uh, classic works by uh, the author Fedor Dostoevsky. Um, and uh, I'm in... It's, I was talking to someone about it recently, and I'm I'm on page I'm, I'm I'm three quarters of the way through the book, <laughs> thousand pages. I'm three quarters of the way through it, and I started it uh, I think a few days before Easter, yes. or maybe it's after yes. Easter. So, anyways, uh, so dear listeners uh, who don't have much time, apparently neither do I. <laughs> oh, don't be afraid to push uh, push through those things that you don't always have time for. So. Uh, 
but there's, there's many beautiful images in there and invitations and insights. And, and the beauty that he's writing about, Dostoevsky, this Russian author, isn't um, necessarily like a beautiful... He's not painting a word picture of a countryside, right. with the rolling hill with, that looked like the shoulders of a giant that was waving in really thick back hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So... Uh, so that's not that's not what it is. What a word know. picture! Yeah, you know, I I am a poet. Um, but he, he, the the beautiful things that Dostoevsky writes about are, are the souls of yeah. these people, and even these people who are struggling with sin and rashness. Uh, there's one character, Mitya Dmitri, and Dmitri is just this rash, impetuous man who's always just caught up in his own passion. Um, and there's other characters too who just have just a real patient beauty, like. The brother uh, Alyosha, Alexei. So, uh, but here's a quote that I've uh, been just loving. It's, a, it's an encouragement, maybe this might be a final encouragement for you, dear listeners, in your life. Um, just maybe listen to it if that's what you're thinking of, Dr. Berkwald. Yeah. All right, just listen to this quote. This is uh, by, from the character Father Zosima. He's a monk, uh, and he's talking to some women who are asking for his help. And he says, uh, Never be afraid of your petty selfishness when you try to achieve love. And don't be too alarmed if you act badly on occasion. I'm sorry I cannot tell you anything more reassuring. A true act of love, unlike imaginary love, is hard and forbidding. Imaginary love yearns for an immediate heroic act that is achieved quickly and seen by everyone. People may actually reach a point where they're willing to sacrifice their lives as long as the ordeal doesn't last too long, is quickly over, just like on the stage, with the public watching and admiring. A true act of love, on the other hand, requires hard work and patience, and for some, it is a whole way of life. But I predict at the very moment when you see, despairingly, that despite all your efforts, you have not only failed to come closer to your goal, but, indeed, seem even farther from it than ever, at that very moment you will have achieved your goal and will recognize the miraculous power of our Lord who has always loved you and secretly guided you all along. Hmm. So, Father, in, in about 45 seconds, what, what, how does that strike you? It strikes me as just an encouragement that our Lord knows the weight of earthly life. Hmm. He knows the hardness of making real human actions, real human actions of love, and I think we get discouraged by maybe false heroism and false love that seems easy and quick, uh, and, we, and real beauty is something that, uh, and real love and real human things are things that are pulled out and uh, um, take time. They grow naturally. They, they occur naturally. And so don't be afraid to, uh, that reading says to me, don't be afraid to do those hard uh, and long efforts of love. Come to me, you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, my burden is easy. Amen. Okay, with that, we will draw this episode to a close. And again, as I said at the outset, please do not hesitate to email me with any questions, comments, topics for future episodes that you might have. The email address is cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. And dear friends, until next time, Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.